Are you a fearless leader? Do you shy away from hard conversations or dive head-on into them? We interview Kelly Williams, who recently took on the CEO role at Brand Labs in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Some of the work they do at Brand Labs is what they call fearless work, and it's all about having fearless conversations. It's about having a conversation where you start saying, you know what, I have some blind spots. I have some areas of opportunity to learn from and to bring additional diverse thinking and to understand areas of bias or areas that I may not be comfortable with so I can, as a business leader, create opportunities to have conversations and to create safe environments for all the people on my team. I would encourage you as you listen to this podcast to be fearless in your thinking and to think outside the box. Talk Commerce is sponsored by... Haifa, or as the Europeans say, Hufa, or the right way to say it, Hufa is rapidly becoming the biggest Magento front end after Luma. For those who don't know it, Luma is the basic theme that comes with Magento and it is giantly slow. If you're looking for a template based front end with the fastest loading times in the e-commerce industry while saving costs on development time and hosting infrastructure, Hufa is your best option. Everybody loves a fast site, including Google. Improve your Google ranking and conversion rates and make your customers happy. Learn more at hyva.io. That's hyva.io. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, talk commerce. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. Today I have Kelly Williams, and she is the founder of Williams Brand Consulting. Kelly, go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us what your day-to-day role is, maybe one of your passions in life, and I know that you're doing way more than just Kelly Brand Consultings, but tell us the whole story, not the whole story, an abbreviated story. Absolutely, yes. Thank you for having me on today. So I am the founder of Williams Brand Consulting. It is a marketing and strategic consulting agency working with multiple different small to mid-sized businesses here in the Twin Cities and beyond. I started my career in marketing and continue to have a love and passion for all things marketing. I also have a love and passion for continuing to evolve and to give back to the next generation of leaders, right? And so thinking about women in leadership, thinking about people who look like me in leadership, I continue to invest into the next generation in that way. And because of that love and passion, in 2020, my husband and I launched another business called 40 Acres Investments. 40 Acres Investments is an investing company in which we're focused on providing generational wealth into the Black community. It's a love and a passion of both of ours and something that we both do outside of the entrepreneurship we do on a full-time basis. Yeah, thank you for that. And I'll just, uh, I, if I could call you a power couple, because... Kelly would be in our green room, told me that I had interviewed her husband and I didn't put the two together. And Tim is a very successful coach and all kinds of other things. So thank you so much for being here. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing around your consulting, your brand consulting business. Absolutely. So I often work as a fractional or part-time chief marketing officer for small to mid-sized businesses. 
I've had the good fortune to work with Fidelity Bank here in the Twin Cities with SafeNet Consulting, a technology consulting firm, and also with Celerity, a marketing creative and digital staffing and recruiting company. I've worked in all of those capacities as their fractional or part-time chief marketing officer. Most recently, I took on the interim CEO role at the Brand Lab. The Brand Lab is a nonprofit that started over a decade ago here in the Twin Cities, focused on changing the face and the voice of the marketing industry. The Brand Lab has expanded into additional markets with an office in Milwaukee and Kansas City. And I've had a longstanding relationship as a volunteer and a strategic advisor to the organization. So this opportunity to step into the interim role is a wonderful way for me to live out my passion of giving back to the next generation. If we could, so I did see the Brand Lab logo last week at the Ecom Forum in Minneapolis. Can we dive into that a little bit? Tell us a little bit how you help with them and what they do. Absolutely. So the Brand Lab started here in the Twin Cities, but they started with a focus on high school students. So giving access, opportunity, and exposure to marketing careers for young people in high school. A few years ago, they expanded beyond high school into college, and even college and beyond is what we call it, looking at providing additional opportunities, job readiness, skills, and internship, along with fellowship opportunities for young people to gain their first opportunity or subsequent opportunities in marketing. It's really important work. As a Black woman in marketing, I can tell you that the number of times I've sat in a marketing conversation with other people who look like me has been very far and few between. So the important work of the Brand Lab truly is to change the face and the voice of the marketing industry to prepare young people to find new roles and new opportunities in marketing, and also to prepare the organizations to be ready for for new thinking, for new ideas, and for new people to be joining their teams. I want to make a comment on that because I fell, I'm, I'm going to call it a trap, and I wasn't always aware of it, but you have to be intentional as a, so as a podcaster. I have to be intentional of not just taking anybody that comes to me for an interview, right? And I got a little lazy for a while and I was just, people would, these. there's a bunch of services that present guests to you and you say yes or no. And I just said yes, because I was excited to suddenly have people just coming to me. What I realized is they're all white males and a lot of them are bald white males. So I fell into this demographic that is, that, that, if I didn't make the intentional choice of making uh, of trying to be more diverse, I was only going to mm-hmm. be I was only going to talk to people like me. And honestly, I'm super boring. So do I, I, what you're doing is very important. And I've realized in the last couple of years is that we have to be intentional. I myself have to be intentional on what we're doing. Correct. Can you talk a little bit about in the marketing space how? You can help how you help business owners or entrepreneurs or marketing people to be intentional in making those decisions. Absolutely. First, I want to congratulate you for recognizing that. I think it's easy for all of us to feel most comfortable talking with and engaging in conversations with people who look like us or people who think like us or people who have similar backgrounds to us. And so purposely Looking in the mirror and saying, oh, wow, I need to expand, I think can be a really difficult thing to do. And especially because the first step is awareness. So congratulations for recognizing that. And I think it's true of many of us. 
some of the work that we do at the Brand Lab is what we call fearless work. And it's all about having fearless conversations. It's about having conversations like the one that we just started saying, you know what, I have some blind spots. I have some areas of opportunity to learn more and to bring additional diverse thinking and to understand areas of bias or areas that I may not be comfortable with so that I can grow, so that I can, as a business leader, I can create opportunities to to learn, to have conversations, and to ensure that I'm creating a safe environment for all people on my team. Yeah, I like that word fearless. So when we're talking about blind spots, the conversation came up earlier in the week or last week with a lady who was talking about a post that I had on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and that she she gave another view on it and I then I commented on it and she said one thing that happens on LinkedIn especially is that people post something and then there's not a lot of debate on it there's okay. a lot of there's a lot of silos even on our social media or of course there is on social media who <laughs> duh sorry about that specifically around LinkedIn sometimes it's healthy to have that discussion and talk about it. And I think that that you know, what I've been learning, and I'm on the entrepreneurial board for Minnesota, and your husband is in in entrepreneurs organization. We go through diversity training, which I think is mm-hmm. helpful. It helps us to be aware of more things. And then having the having those conversations about how can we be fearless and talking about it, I think that our culture or my culture sometimes is that we don't want to get out of our comfort. The joke is if there's two Lutherans together, how do you know the one Lutheran is looking at, if they're an extrovert, one Lutheran's looking at your shoelaces when the other one's looking at their own. Anyway, sorry about that. So can tell us maybe some of the things that you do to get, to help people to be less fearful because fearless means you're, that's the opposite of fearful, right? Because we there's some kind of apprehension in talking. Absolutely. I would say the work that we do at the Brand Lab, it is, it's about fearless workshops and fearless conversations. I also talk quite a bit about being, I'll give you an example. This summer, my daughter and I traveled. She's 11 and my favorite person beyond my husband, of course, and my two sons. Okay. I like everyone. But my daughter, she's my mini me. And I just so enjoy the time we spend together. And we spent two weeks on the East Coast. She is a competitive dancer. So we went for dance nationals, but extended our trip to see additional sites and to spend additional mom daughter time getting ready for her to start middle school this year. And I told her as we were departing Minnesota, I said, I'm going to be honest with you. Mom gets really nervous when I get lost. And we're going to four different states. It's just the two of us. I'm the only adult. So it's my job to make sure we get to every place we're going to get to all the places on time. And I have some nervousness about that. I just want to be honest with you so that you know in advance about some of these fears. And she's, okay, I'm going to help with navigation, right? And so this was something that we worked on the entire trip. And in our last city of New York, we actually got lost looking for the fearless girl statue believe it or not, using the same language. So there's a fearless girl statue in New York City. And I wanted a picture of my daughter with the fearless girl. I thought this is the perfect statue to get a picture with. I'm going to take this picture and put it up in her room. And so when she gets ready for middle school, she'll have this, right? Of course, it's the one time we got lost. 
I was so frustrated. We got lost in New York City. I didn't know where we were and I was going to give up. And she's, no, let's continue to work on this. And we did ultimately find the statue. It had been moved and we found it and we got this amazing picture of just like I wanted of her with the statue. And then she's, mom, take a picture too. And so we got a selfie with the Fearless Girl statue. And as we were navigating our way back to where we were staying that afternoon, she said, I asked her about the fearless girl and just wanted to make sure that she understands why it's important to be fearless. And she said, mom, you had fear today and that's okay. I did too. But what we both did is we decided to be courageous and I'm proud of us. And I think that's the best way I can talk about having some of these difficult conversations. The first part is saying that I have some fear. The first part is saying I have some blind spots and I'm not perfect. And then from there, it's allowing other people to come alongside and to support you. And that's some of the work that we do at the Brand Lab. It's some of the work that I do as a consultant is starting those conversations, making an okay space, an open, accepting, comfortable space for people to get uncomfortable. Yeah, that's a great story, by the way. And I got a little bit teary-eyed, I have to admit, because I have a daughter and a son. That So tell us a little bit about how you help to make that space, especially Absolutely. for younger people, for anybody. Maybe it's yeah. probably harder with older people, isn't it? Yeah, I think it can be difficult. Yeah, I agree. I think it's probably more difficult with older people. I think some of the openness to change and to not necessarily need to change, but openness to start from a place of understanding and diversity is easier for younger people because it's more of what they know. I am a person who grew up in a small town here in Minnesota. I'm half Congonese and I'm also half white, but I was adopted and grew up in St. Cloud, Minnesota, in a place in which my adopted parents who were white and they did a fantastic job of raising me there. However, I never met a black person until I was in the fifth grade. And so some of the biases that I even had about myself that I had to recognize as I grew and advanced are things that I'm very aware of today. And when I think about opening up and having those conversations, I think it's that starting with our own biases, starting with our own backgrounds and histories and putting it all on the table putting it all on the table and saying, I'm not perfect and I still have work to do. And I want to also help you with the work that you have to do. So we do have curriculum that's been developed at the Brand Lab. We have workshops and fantastic workshop facilitators who come into organizations and start those conversations and can do an assessment with a team to, to help uncover some of the gaps and some of the inherent biases in things from hiring processes to onboarding processes, employee reviews, etc. But really helping organizations to create safe places where people want to work. People want to grow, people want to learn and grow together. I know that it's been said about Minnesota that it's it's not very diverse. And it, there was just there was just an article or a news story about Morris, Minnesota, Morris, the Morris mm-hmm. campus, the University of Minnesota Morris, where somebody had one of the politicians. I'm not, we won't get into politics. Somebody had said a, a politician had said it's too diverse, and it's fifty five percent. It's forty five percent white, or whatever whatever the story was. Do you okay. think it's possible to be too diverse? I think that is, is an absurd concept. I, When I think about diversity, I think about diversity in so many different ways. There's diversity in, you talked about religion. There's diversity in religion. There's diversity of thought. There's diversity based on ethnic makeup. There's diversity based on education. 
and gender. There's diversity in industries that we work in. They encourage diversity across the board, right? I love to learn and to experience different people and different perspectives. I learn just as much from my 11-year-old daughter as I think I do from my different topics, different background and experience. I learn so much from the people that I coach and mentor. I think I learn more from them than they learn from me. And I believe when we stop learning is really when we're not open any longer to diversity of thought and to continuing to expand. And so the idea that that any level of diversity could be too much diversity seems like such an un, <laughs> uneducated perspective and one that I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into. So I'm going to have to look that article up. Yeah, it was on National Public Radio or Minnesota Public Radio. Anyways, we'll keep moving. Sorry about that. Oh, so no. the tell us about a little bit more about Brand Labs and tell us about sort of the type of work that you're having people do in that. So mm-hmm. younger people or even anybody that's working or wanting to aspire into is it brand marketing or is it all sorts of marketing? Yeah, so the Brand Lab is, on, like I said, it's a nonprofit, and we work really closely with young people to help them learn about the opportunity to work in marketing and creative roles. So any type of marketing and creative roles, marketing agencies, corporate marketing roles. I, having spent 20 years in the marketing industry, have worked on both sides of the agency and in-house marketing teams and know that there's differences there. And there's also such a wide array of marketing and creative roles that are available. These are things I just didn't know when I was in high school. I didn't even know when I was in college. And so the work that we do at the Brand Lab is to provide access to learning that information, to provide exposure to the different types of opportunities that are available. And then we work with the organizations to help them create internships and fellowship opportunities for high school students and also for college students with the intention of getting more people hired so that we can continue to evolve and to bring that diversity to the workforce, specifically in marketing and creative roles. And I have to imagine that at this time in our, right now, at least in the economy, when there is so much employment, right, that that, that there's such a demand for workers. And especially, Mm -hmm. I think, in this space where you want creative people there. Creative people are sometimes very hard to find. Is there, and I was going to say, is there a formula? But there can't be a formula for creativity. The 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 mentors. Do you have mentors from the industries that then come up, come and help the young people, and and then getting into interns? And tell us a little bit about that that uh, workflow. Absolutely, we have several different programs in which we bring in industry experts. My experience with the Brad Lab has been vast. I've had the opportunity to, when I was in the advertising agency world, I hosted multiple summer interns. I had the opportunity to learn from them and have them learn from me and to expose them into our agency. I also had the opportunity to go into high schools here in Minneapolis and teach classes. So there were high school classes in which industry experts would come in and actually give projects and then walk students through over a series of weeks, the completion of those projects and then the grading of those projects, the presentations. It was so much fun. I learned so much. Um, 
from those experiences. And then when I went into the corporate world, again, having those opportunities to bring young people in to work on my teams, to work with my teams and to learn the different aspects of marketing. I've also had the opportunity to go to many of the different programs that have been put on by the Brand Lab. And I also was so proud of the work that I did when I was the chief marketing officer at Celerity because we helped to put together an educational work stream for the fellowship program, the college fellowship program, to help them, to help those young people be more prepared and ready to take their fellowships, to walk into the organizations and bring even more value right from the beginning of the fellowship. So I've been really blessed to have functioned within the Brand Lab in multiple different roles. And now as the interim CEO, looking forward to continuing the great work that the Brand Lab has been doing, continuing to mentor and coach the internal team, and to bring some of my expertise and honestly my passion for this work to our partners, to our board, and to the young people that we serve. I want to change direction a little bit. You mentioned passion, and I think there's something that is inherently in an entrepreneur that let's that the majority of the people don't understand. There's some kind of inner drive that you can't put your finger on that drives you to do it. You mentioned the word passion, and I would would say that once you, as an entrepreneur, get that passion, then everything else goes out the window. Even the money part, like you don't. I would argue that a entrepreneur drives to do something outside of. The money. Monday is sometimes the end result of it. A lot of entrepreneurs are there to just do it and they like to be their own boss. And, but the passion, that's something that, that, that is unique, I think, in what we're doing. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about the 40 Acres Investments and how Absolutely. you're working on getting, getting and finding more entrepreneurs and investing in those businesses? Absolutely. So passion that I have is really centered around, I believe my purpose on this earth is to make a way for the next generation. I believe that there were so many glass ceilings and glass walls and glass floors that I had to walk through. I had to walk into many different rooms and prove myself over and over again, regardless of title, regardless of education, regardless of background and experience. And so I believe that my purpose is to make a way. And so those glass ceilings and those glass walls and those glass doors are no longer there for the next generation, for my daughter, for my sons. And so the purpose of making a way leads to my passion, the passion that I have for 40 Acres Investments. 40 Acres and a Mule was a promise that was made post-slavery to Black families. This idea of coming out of slavery, we are going to give you 40 Acres and a Mule to set up your family. That did, that was enacted for a very short period of time. And then the land, the, everything was taken back. It was stripped, it was stripped from Black Americans. And so the purpose behind, the passion behind 40 Acres Investments is to take a small piece of the idea of 40 Acres and a mule and make it true for our family, our Black family, and for other Black families. So we look to purchase and hold and rent and renovate space, right? And so it's all about building up our own 40 acres and beyond and having opportunities to employ and to give opportunities to black electricians and plumbers and general contractors to work on our properties 
opportunities for people to stay in these properties and have a place to live that they feel comfortable and happy and safe in. And to use all of that as a way to continue to invest into the Black community. We started in the fall of 2020 and are continuing to invest into this passion of making a way for the next generation. I know I had interviewed a a diversity coach earlier, and he had talked about the barriers just in hiring and even in maybe where your business is located. And there's so many things that inner city people would have a problem getting to the suburbs and all the things around that a whole, the whole hiring process and the on all those, how are you bridging some of that gap? Do you feel as though it's a, like a thing where you want to be local or how can you broaden it to include more of a metro area? Yeah, I think from a hiring perspective, thinking about thinking about diversifying your talent pool, you start by thinking about where you're looking, right? So if you continue to go to the same watering hole, you're going to get the same bite. And so like we were talking about, it's so much easier to have conversations and to focus on people who come from similar backgrounds and experiences and maybe look like us. But when we purposely go outside of our norm is where we can find some differences, some additional diversity. And when you think about where you're posting your jobs, are you posting your jobs in a place that has exposure to to other ethnic groups, to other people who maybe are dissimilar to you, who to more diverse audiences? There are a lot of job boards that are specifically niched to attract a specific type worker. And so ensuring that you are doing your due diligence to go out and look for people who are a little bit different than you. I believe that there is so much value in having diverse. There's been so much research done on this. The diverse thinking can really bring so much value to an organization in all levels. Because when we all are sitting in a room and saying, yeah, that's a great idea but no one's bringing an additional idea. No one's having some of those tough conversations of that's a great idea, but have you also thought of this? Or did you consider this additional taking the slight deviation that maybe could be significantly more successful? Those are the types of people we need in the room. We need additional people to challenge us and to challenge our thinking. And so I think putting the extra time into the job search when you're searching i should say the recruiting search to bring in diverse talent is completely worth the time and will pay off in dividends the other thing i'll say is i think there's also some biases sometimes in the way that we write job descriptions so when you look at a job description and it's got 20 bullet points and you have to have these 20 required these 20 requirements in order to apply What you're going to do is you're going to have some people just take themselves out of applying because they don't think they qualify. So there's some biases that come along with the way that we write job descriptions. And so thinking about what truly is the requirement and how you can train and how you can you can use some sort of creative ways of helping people to understand how they could apply for and truly be the right person for that role is something that I encourage organizations to do. Yeah, I can say, so just the the episode that I had, he called it the inclusive value chain anyway. So just as you're going Mm -hmm. along, that was the word I was looking for. But 
I can say from from like my side, like we put on some technology events, right? And we typically do blind. When we're looking for the speakers, we do blind. Do we look at the topic? We don't even look at the person's name. Because unfortunately in the tech industry, and at least in, in the programming developer industry, it's heavily weighted t- towards males. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what color they are. It's just mm-hmm. males, right? So it's probably Correct. 80% males and 20% females. So we do a blind... Um, blind read on it. And so I, I submitted a talk and I'm a subject matter expert for Magento and I wasn't selected and I was a little bit offended, but then I had to think about it. Like I shouldn't be, I've been doing this for whatever, 10 or 15 years and no, somebody else should have a shot. And I know that Mm -hmm. having that space where you give people a shot, Mm -hmm. then the people who've been there forever don't just keep aren't just there forever. Correct. Correct. Is there is there a way to get is there a strategy in getting that over on people and it took me to realize that I was a I was like, "Oh, of course I want to go there." I think that at some point we need to have fresh a fresh perspective and that's mm-hmm. marketing needs a fresh perspective. Correct. So I think it's in that role there has to be education for the people making those choices and I think that's what you're saying but is That's there, exactly right. Is there some strategy behind that? There is. I think a lot of the a lot of the work that we do in our in our fearless programming to just first start by understanding. Again, it's it always starts with that. It's the awareness and the understanding that there is area of opportunity. There's an opportunity to think of something differently. There's an opportunity to bring in additional people who maybe think a little bit differently and or have a different background. And that background may be a, a different education. And so we look at Ivy League, and I'm not an Ivy League graduate, but I'm a graduate of Iowa State, two-time alum, right down 35W. I went to a four-year college. I went and did my master's degree. That does not mean, however, that I am smarter than someone that got an associate degree. It means that I spent a lot more time paying off student debt. It means that I had a lot more conversations with people who talk in a theoretical way about about communications. It does not necessarily mean that the people who took the six years that I was in college and applied it to working didn't get a leg ahead of me. And so the way that we've traditionally hired I'm more qualified than that person who worked for six years and got applied experience for the time in which I was getting theoretical experience. And so I think being more open to understanding the value that people bring, even if it's a little bit different than the way that we've originally thought that we should bring people into organizations is going to help all of us. From a broader view, do you feel as though marketing is going more towards that experience needed in marketing rather than the degree? Oh, that's a really good question. I think that there is a mix, and I think there should be. I think that there is a lot of great information and experience that comes from the degree, that comes from the theoretical learnings and some applied learnings that you also gain while you're in a university or college. I also think that people that are really creative and have been doing creative work their entire life since they were young people and are so much further ahead from a creative perspective than I am and have that applied knowledge and experience bring great value. I think it's really understanding the need of the role and then understanding what is going to make up 
the best person, the best candidate for that role. And I also think that you can hire the role in different ways. I think that if you had two openings for the exact same position, you could have someone that has more of the educational background and someone that has more of the applied experience background. And they're probably based on personality, who they are, and the way that they show up to work can bring a lot of really great value to an organization. When you're in the brand labs, when you're offering these internships, do you lay out some of the some of what you just said to me to the potential candidates who are going to take one of those roles? We absolutely look to, to bring in the best candidates to give opportunities to the people who are excited to work who are excited to learn. It's for me, when I think about the right interns, the right fellows to be part of our programs, they're the young people that are self-starters that are excited and are eager to do the work. Some of the, what was, what was your GPA or how many years of creative experience do you have? Some of those things I truly think are less important. Of course, we look at all of it, I, from my perspective, I think they're a little less important. And some of that education sharing with our partners who bring the interns and the fellows in is also some of the value that we can bring. Yeah, t- Tell me a little bit about the makeup. Do, do you, you have me- mentors from industry that come in and mentor a specific candidate, or do you place a candidate in a business that has a role that's open for that? Yes. So our interns actually work inside of marketing agencies and marketing departments in our three different markets. And some of our fellowships actually are even national. And so having the opportunity to work within organizations on behalf of the brand lab as an intern or in our internship program is a little shorter duration than our fellowship program for college, final years of college and college graduates. Those are opportunities to to do some rotations with, within organizations where the goal is not to just come in some of the traditional internships where you're filing paper or you're just there, but to truly get experience, because that's what it's all about, experience that will lead to a job, experience to help young people learn about jobs in the marketing and creative space. And so that's really what we focus on. The mentorship we do outside of the internships and the fellowship is really focused on bringing value and education and opportunity to young people to learn more and be more prepared to to really take these roles in the marketing and creative. So I know in your bio, you're a professional speaker. What is it that gets you excited about a topic you're going to speak about? And then I'm assuming that you have a, a vertical that you speak about passionately. I do, yes. I love to, I, again, it's all centered on my purpose, right? And so it's about creating a, an opportunity for the next generation. I speak often around personal branding, knowing who you are, what you stand for, and building a platform on that. And my, my personal brand is being a person who makes a way for the next generation. I also talk a lot about social selling and the importance of building a network. So that you can not have to, as an entrepreneur, go out and be a salesperson. I'm a marketer. I'm not a salesperson. And I don't feel comfortable selling. What I do feel comfortable doing, though, is bringing value to my social network. And so sharing the expertise, the ideas, the knowledge that I have. And that is how I define social selling. It's sharing, bringing value and education to people in my social network. So I talk a lot on those topics. 
the keynote that I have recently been providing is on social selling and personal branding. I've recently finished a new keynote that I'm calling Navigation. My Navigation keynote is really about my life journey. It's a, it takes people through the time that I became a mom at 17 and what that meant to me and how that impacted the trajectory of my life all the way through the most recent experience that I had when I went to the Democratic Republic of Congo for the first time to go meet my biological family and taking control of the steering wheel and navigating my life, my career, my journey from self-discovery to make me the person I am today, the person who can stand in front of an audience of 500 plus and say, I'm really happy with who I am. I'm happy with my career and I have so much value to share. On the subject of personal branding, how important do you feel that is in our everyday roles as just employees and not just trying to promote something that an entrepreneur, like I can, I, I know as an entrepreneur, I want to promote something I'd like to sell eventually or promote, promote myself to get speaking spot or whatever that thing is. Is there a role for personal branding just for the regular person? I, I don't want to Absolutely say the regular people, but I, yeah, I'm not going to edit yeah. it out, but I should bleep that part out. <laughs> personal branding is for everyone. I believe that when we know who we are, we bring the most value. And so as an employee, when you know that there's something you can do, even if 10 other people have the exact same job as you within an organization, the way you approach your role is unique. And the way you approach your role is based on your education, your experiences, and inherently who you are. Each of us approach things uniquely, and it's based on who we are in our personal brand. What I think is one of the biggest misses that we can make and something that I made early in my career is trying to be like someone. The way that I show up best and the way that I can do my best work is when I bring Kelly to that work. When I can take the same task, the same project as someone else and apply Kelly to it because I have a unique way and I have a unique ability to deliver the task. And so I think that's how I would define personal branding, bringing your personal self to every scenario, professionally and personally. I think that when people show up on a Zoom call or in person at a work event and they're a specific person, right? Then you see them at a grocery store and they're a very different person. You have to ask them if they really understand who they are and if they know their personal brand. It's really easy to put a mask on And I'm not talking the mask that we were wearing because of COVID, but truly a mask that has you show up as someone different than who you are. I think we all need to take our masks off and to do some exploration into who we are so that we can be a very consistent person everywhere we show up. Yeah, I love that perspective. I've never actually thought about it. And I I let's just say that I have two adult children who tell me that I'm annoying in real life. And... (laughs) They both work for us, so yes, I can. I think I can attest to that. All right, so we have a little bit of time left. The Forty Acres Project. How would people get in touch you in touch with you on that? The Forty Acres Investments. Absolutely. We uh, there's Kelly at Forty Acres Investments dot dot com. Also, you can reach out to me at Williams Brand Consulting at Kelly at Williams Brand Consulting. 
com. And I also, I think it's really important to, as I continue to advocate for the Brand Lab, I'd love to have conversations around opportunities to bring fearless workshops and conversations into organizations. I'd love for people that are interested in learning more about how to advance the diversification of talent in the marketing creative industry to reach out to me. I'm happy to have those conversations. The one thing I didn't mention during our call is, again, aligned with my purpose and my passion. I'm also on the board of the Greater Twin Cities United Way. And I know that the organization does so much great work here in the Twin Cities. And I don't know if it's time for shameless plugs, but I would absolutely do a shameless plug for people to get in touch with me to talk about the work that the Greater Twin Cities United Way is doing and to get involved, to volunteer of your time and of your resources to continue to make a way and to make a change for the next generation. That's awesome. And I will give you a chance to still do another shameless okay. plug. Okay. Because I, love I, was, it. I get two. Yes. I, I was very excited about our conversation. I completely forgot about the free joke project, which is Ooh. very insignificant to compared to everything we've been talking about. But I just we went right into 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 your practice and branding and all that other fun stuff. So I'm. Uh, let's do the free joke project, and maybe this okay. this will get people to listen to the whole episode all the way in. Because of course they come for the joke. Um, <laughs> of course. All right. So what I'm going to do is just tell you a joke, and you're going to tell me. We're going to put this into a branding perspective. Is this a brand that could be on the shelves at at a big box store where it's going to be at the end cap, or is this something that's going to be on the bottom shelf at the at the Super America or Seven Eleven or something? Like this is that type of joke. Okay. Is it going to be one of those, or will it be the generic joke that's black and white writing? Okay. All right. Here we go. Why don't skeletons ever get mad? Because nothing gets under their skin. <laughs> so here's the thing, Brent. I actually find all humor funny. That sounds like a dad joke to me. And dad jokes are really popular right now. Because I would put it in the category of a dad joke, I would say it could fit into a dad joke book of jokes. And it could sit on a medium shelf at like a Target. Okay, so that's a big fair. Box store. That's mm-hmm. fair. I hate to admit it. As a programmer, there is an open API that you can call and get a dad joke of the day. So you could, <laughs> if you had a, if you have a program, if you're, if you have some kind of programming background, you could just make a thing where you could just get your joke delivered to you every day. That's awesome. This is this. I'm doing it manually. Mm-hmm. This is my analog way of doing it. Digital analog. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's do you, Kelly. At the end of every episode, I give the, the, our guests an opportunity to do a shameless plug. What would you like to plug today? Today, I'm going to, since I already did one for the Greater Twin Cities United Way, I will do a plug for the Brand Lab. So I, as I mentioned, I am the interim CEO of the Brand Lab. It's an organization focused on changing the face and the voice of the marketing industry. And the way that we do the work that we do is from sponsors, from contributions, from the industry, from people who believe in our purpose, in our mission, and give of their time and resources. And so my shameless plug is to get involved with the Brand Lab, to, if you are in the marketing and creative role, raise your hand and offer to walk alongside a young person to help them learn about opportunities to, to work in the marketing and creative space. If you are a person who has nothing to do with marketing, but loves what we're doing, give of your resources, give of your financial resources. 
we absolutely can do this work together. And I'm excited to walk this journey. That's fantastic. And I have a thought and a challenge. I'm on, I volunteer with a, a program called Mile in My Shoes. And it's a program where people coming out of prison or, or homeless people are from a halfway house are running with us. And the goal is to get just run a mile is the first goal. And then we work on the aspect of it is community, right? The, we're changing people's lives through movement. And I've always thought, wouldn't it be great if there's a way for us to collaborate among nonprofits? Because I feel like there's things that some, somebody like the Brand Lab could teach people in Mile in My Shoes, and there's certainly things for people, mentors and residents and alumni of Mile in My Shoes can teach people in Brand Labs in all aspects. Mentors, I think especially, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mentors sometimes come in with a very narrow focus in what they're going to do. You might get a mentor, and I'm generalizing, I apologize if I'm wrong here, but you might get somebody who's just going to do one thing, and they're going to, they're, they're, they're a great marketer, and they're going to teach that practice, right? But there's so many other aspects and you start peeling things away and, and you find out there's more to life than just this one thing. So I would love to figure out how all those things can collaborate and how we can as nonprofits, and I'm not a nonprofit, but I volunteer at, multi, at a couple of them anyways, how can we work together and get more diversity among charities and learn from other people? Anyways, that's my... Absolutely. I agree. That's my, I think there's a lot of opportunity that way. And that's something that we do with the Greater Twin Cities United, what, United Way as well is supporting other nonprofits and really ensuring that that we are working together to, to bring change. And so I'd love to have more conversation around that. Great. Kelly, it has been a great 30 minutes that has gone 45. I really appreciate your time today. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Talk Commerce. Please rate this episode wherever you download your podcasts. We are actively looking for people to participate in the free joke project. Go to talk-commerce.com and sign up for your free spot on the free joke project. If you are a business, I will do a 30-second elevator pitch in the spot to help promote your business. That's talk-commerce.com.